we should read our Bibles. As men dig for buried treasure. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of peoples according to the number of the sons of God. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Take no part in the fruitless deeds of darkness, but yet expose them. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Life's a garden, man. You gotta dig it. Hello fellow treasure hunters, welcome to the excavation site. I'm Justin, alongside me we got Ben, Stephen, and Chad. We'll be your guides on this excursion. Hope you brought your shovel and your compass, because we got the map. Let's dig. Hey everybody, welcome back. What's up guys? How you been? Oh yeah. Hey, good as I can be. If I ain't better, I'd be sick of myself. <laughs> been a long week yeah true story we've had a lot of octane uh fueled fun past few weeks or me and ben have steven got in on it this weekend too oh boy (laughs) i don't know how many jeeps you can see before you said you've seen all the jeeps hold on let me turn around (laughs) we got some beautiful i see two back here i see two back here yeah they had a, a jeep fest uh in our hometown about 300 jeeps lined up and Lots of good, clean family fun, good food. And ducks everywhere. Yeah, ducks. But unfor- ducks galore. Yeah, but unfortunately, the man here with all the Jeeps. The Jeep man. I didn't even know anything about it. You know, it was you. I told I you. I was at the Bristol Drag Strip. Oh, yeah. My Father's favorite. Day. Oh, go ahead. Top Fuel Drag Racing. Ooh. Oh, it was good. See, my Took favorite the boys thing, for the first time. My favorite thing about the whole Jeep show, though, was the Hummer. That said oh, yeah. on the dashboard. Like said on the dashboard, like a Jeep, but for men. For men. <laughs> I've ridden in plenty of Hummers. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my Jeep will go places that Hummer won't go. <laughs> yeah, uh, the week before last, uh, I went to a, a show called uh, Mopar Meet in the Mountains. It's all Mopar show, so there's a lot of Jeeps and Challengers. There's actually like over three or four hundred cars and like 156 or 58 was all challengers Jeez. so that's kind of hard to stand out in that crowd didn't get no hardware from that one but we did some racing now that was a lot of fun yeah you tell me about yeah, that i think i found it in hobby. the parking lot oh yeah <laughs> parking lot racing with yeah. cones yeah they call it uh what was it uh i think they call it solo racing or autocross autocross yeah you know sounds... my, my car ain't built for that but it's still fun getting oh. sideways around the corners <laughs> well like i was saying if you you know if you're going in there the to win a trophy or something and you don't you're a little heartbroken if you're just going there to have some fun then oh yeah who cares about trophies or your time really oh yeah just maybe the tires and gas well a little bit these, of gas. these days <laughs> you do have to put that in account oh yeah right well i guess the uh, uh subject matter this week is uh the mark of god and uh the mark of the beast 666 a lot of stuff throughout uh, the entire book probably a lot of people look over we're hoping to maybe set off a few light bulbs with you get you digging so i guess uh, we'll start off with uh prayer uh father thank you for uh, all the many blessings uh 
we especially want to say happy Father's Day to you, Father, the, the Father of Fathers. Um, we just pray that uh, you continue to to bless the podcast and grow our uh, insights and uh, perspectives on your word. And we pray that uh, the people listening uh, dig into their Bibles and enjoy it because we know we sure enjoy it if you know if anything else just sitting around going through your word and bouncing ideas off each other it's a lot of fun we get a lot of enjoyment out of it but uh we just pray that this message uh goes through today smooth and you reveal some things to us and hopefully uh get people digging into their bible and maybe uh figure out a couple new things on their perspectives too father jesus name amen 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 so a mark what i guess we could start with what is a mark well it depends because if you're talking about i mean a mark you could say is just something that's put on you but a seal and when we talk about a seal and it talks about god's seal too is was always a kingly thing right that was always yeah. something that you knew when he put a seal on top of something. When he put it on, a, 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 it came from the king. It was a, a signet on his ring. He put down in that wax. It was not to be open. That was from the king, and you knew that. So I think that when you have the seal of God on you, everybody knows it's from, it's you're, from you're, God. You're, other words, what we're saying is you, it's like uh, you can't. BS. Oh, the king gave you this letter. Well, where's the seal? Yeah. Validation stamp. Exactly. Yeah. And w- what's cool, too, is the word mark in our English Bibles, uh, when you go to the Greek, is uh, charagma, which means imperial seal for documents, money, coin, stuff like that. So What a segue. I know. That was beautiful. Beautiful segue. So I guess uh, since we've established, I guess, what a mark is, where do we first see a mark in our Bible? If you go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 15. Now this, you know, is right after uh, the incident with Cain and Abel. Cain is quote-unquote marked. It says, Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. You know, this is the last that we hear of Cain other than uh, the lineage and genealogy. Some say that this Mark, you know, cursed him to live forever. You guys ever heard that or seen some of like, the Hollywood movies and stuff like that? You know. He's a wrestler. I mean. <laughs> but that, I mean, I don't know if I really sold on or not. You know, the Mark was for nobody to kill Cain. You know, God doesn't want Cain to go before his time. You know, he wants him to fully experience the pains of life and, I guess, quote-unquote, serve his time. You know, that's just my opinion, though, but maybe give him an opportunity to change his heart. Who knows? You know, but interestingly, this is the first spiritual mark of the Bible. You know, we know of two marks, God's mark and the beast's mark. And I think it's to say safe to say whose mark this is. But one thing I find interesting, uh, God's mark in the Bible was for protection in this case. You know, that's what this mark does. It protects Cain from being murdered. But at the same time, it doesn't prevent people from murdering because, you know, God plainly says for those that do, vengeance will fall on man uh, sevenfold. So obviously he could still be killed, but it's weird that the mark that God gives is, is kind of, you know, protecting Cain, seems like. But another time that we see this, and I guess I'm trying my best to keep it chronological, but it was in Exodus chapter 13, 
3 through 16. Now, this talks about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, Ben, do you want to read along with us? Chapter 13. Yeah, verse 3. He's so, just got his logos, and he's yeah, finally he's starting to figure it out. It's his virgin tour here. <laughs> yeah. Exodus. Maiden voyage. Exodus. Yeah. All right. So Moses said to the people, This is a day to remember forever, the day you left Egypt, with a, the place of your slavery. Today the Lord has brought, brought you out of the power of his mighty hand. Remember, eat no food containing yeast. On this day in, in every spring, in the month of Abib, I guess that's how you say that, Abib, yeah. uh, you will have been set free. You must celebrate this event in this month each year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Havites, and Jebusites. Jebusites. He swore to your ancestors that he would give you this land and the land flowing with milk and honey. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. Then you, excuse me, then on the seventh day, celebrate a feast to the Lord. Eat bread, hold on, eat bread without yeast during those seven days. In fact, there must be no yeast in bread or any yeast in at all found within the borders of your land during this time. On the seventh the seventh day you must explain to your children I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt this annual festival will be a visible sign to you like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead that sounds familiar let it remember you always to Recite these teachings for the Lord. With a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. So observe the decree of the festival at the appointed time each year. This is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise he swore to you and your ancestors. When he gives, when he gives you the land there where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord. That's hard to be due. I'd present your firstborn sons. I'll give you first fruits. Yeah. Um, to the Lord for they belong to him. The firstborn donkey may be brought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back you must break its neck. However, Ouch. yeah. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you thought this was going dark. Yeah, that that'd be kind of hard to do. Cuz I got two boys. I don't think I'd give up any of them. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> In the future, your children will ask you, "What does this mean?" Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord bought us, brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery, 
Uh, Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, so the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That is, yeah, that is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always brought back. This ceremonial, or this ceremony, will be like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord, Lord's mighty hand, brought us back out of Egypt. Okay, so we saw some correlations here. Uh, so we break them down. One thing I thought stood out, you know, it says, uh, it's in verse uh, 1 where it says, For by a strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. You know, the strong hand, you know, the, the right hand. You know, when you read through your Bible talking about the strong hand, you know, it, it was a right-hand dominant world, you know. So the right hand was, was the, the strong hand, the, the hand of action, you know, the right hand of the Father, you know, and so on. It's your sword hand. Yeah. Uh, and then you go down, you know, Abib, talk about the month of Abib, you know, that's the month of Passover. But it's also the time of uh, the, the ears of barley harvest and the, the green growing season. Uh, but when you go down, you know, to verse 9, it says, And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, there it is again, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. So now we have the correlation with the, it's the same as the mark of the beast. The right hand, the strong hand, and the forehead, right? You know, there's a lot of symbolism here. You know, the, the sign on your hand, the strong hand, uh, that you were delivered. You know, the right hand, the hand of action. Then between your eyes, you know, your frontal cortex, you know, some people, you know, new agers call the third eye. You know, that's where all your decisions are made. You know, these signs are marked where you make your decision, your mind, and where your actions, your hand comes from. This is God's mark that Revelation talks about and the bottomless pit is opened. It shows that 666, you know, mark is Satan's. But, you know, it's just an imitation or counter, counterfeit mark. That's what Satan does. He right. takes things yeah. God's oh, created yeah. and manipulates it. and He tries to make everyone you know, believe he's God. Or oh, to corrupt yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his goal exactly. is to corrupt everything God created. And then when you go down to verse 15... It says, uh, for when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both firstborn man and firstborn animal. Therefore, that's why I sacrificed to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb. But the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand, your front or the frontlets between your eyes. You know, by the strong hand you was brought out of Egypt. You know, the law was said to have been a tutor or guardian until Christ came. You know, this was a foreshadowing of the cross. The law is now fulfilled, now null and void. We no longer, you know, we no longer require sacrifices. You know, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb without spot or blemish. You know, he redeemed us all. You know, back then right. they had he to. Right, he was the perfect lamb. Yeah, they had to sacrifice right. lambs to redeem right. their sons. Well, God, you know, came in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and, and that's how he redeemed us, and, and we're free from that now. You know, Jesus... His blood covered and slash redeemed us, you know, the sting of the second death. Listen, if he hadn't done that, I'd be guarding my farm a lot harder. <laughs> I'm coming for them goats, Yeah, boy. you're darn right. You know, <laughs> you know, 
They be killing my boy. I tell you that much. <laughs> but you know, this first one was a, was a carnal saving. You know, the second was a spiritual saving. You know, just as you know, Moses carnally saved Israel from Egypt. Jesus saved us spiritually from death and sin. You think they'll uh, use chickens instead of goats? I got enough. I, well, I got plenty of chickens. You'll let those go before your kids, huh? I, I'll kill like 20 of them. <laughs> <laughs> but 21, that's too much. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. I was just, you know, I'll kill them all. It'd be hard to kill little Brucey. See, then again, we go down to, you know, the later book. It's uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 1 through 15. Uh, it says, uh, this is the greatest commandment. It says, now, this is the commandment, the statutes that the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, uh, you and your sons and your sons' sons, by keeping all the statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." You know, so it says, you know, that this is the, uh, the greatest commandment, you know? You're to teach it to your children, when you're sitting in the house, you're walking on the road at night, when you put them down to bed. So obviously this was very important, you know. And they right, said it'll, yeah. you bind it as a sign to your hands and your forehead, you know. And once again, going back to the, the imitation mark of the beast. So, I mean, that shows you it was God's greatest commandment. It was just very important to him. Uh, and then when you, in the same book, when you go down to Deuteronomy 11, 18 it speaks on it again it says you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes uh, once again I mean it's just the correlations of, of all that stuff you know this this mark is also on your you know right hand in your mind so it's like you always have dualism in the Bible you have literal and you have a lot of symbolic stuff you know so it's like you judge the, the the tree by its fruit. You know, if you're saying that, uh, yeah. you know, you are judge a person God's by person, the way he's, you know, you're God's by people. Ways act. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be making godly decisions with your, with your mind. With your mind. And your actions, and your with, actions your with your right hand That's is right. going to be godly. So, That's that, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual. I mean, I'm sure it's probably literal also, but you can't ignore the, the spiritual side of it also. Yeah. There's always dual meanings in your bible and what's really crazy and and forgive me for laughing but you know we always have pure literalists everywhere 
and you know the Pharisees and stuff in the Bible, they were so literal and focused on the law and everything else. You know, they took it so they, literal. They missed. They missed kind of what it was telling them. Oh, they missed the Christ yeah. right in front of their eyes. But one thing they would do is they would literally wear a box on their heads with the laws written down inside of them called uh, phylacteries. So that's quite literal. So that that is something that still goes on today in the Jewish faith, but they do that right before their bar mitzvah or their bat mitzvah, depending if you're a boy or a girl. But you you wear it, I guess it's only Jewish men that wear them, but you wear it, um, it's called a teflon, and you wear it on your wrist or you wear it on your forehead and Jewish men wear it before their bar mitzvah. It's just kind of a, it's kind of a, um, symbolic and it, 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 um, actually has four texts written on a single parchment strip. Um, and it has four different compartments with a single text in each, but it's, it's their, it's their way of kind of, um, you know, following that literally what they said. Their greatest commandment, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy the different stuff you can find, you know, because, I mean, we, you know, we're not Jewish. You know, I mean, if we didn't actually dig and look into that stuff, we, we would miss it. You know, I mean, that's why I think it's a, so important to to dig a little deeper and find out the, oh, the, yeah. the whys and all that stuff. And the know? roots. Yeah. You know, and also in Exodus, you know, where, you know, he comes down to Sinai and gives the uh, the commandments, you know, and... He says, you know, he'll make uh, them a nation of priests, and he will be their God, you know, and he gives, you know, the Ten Commandments. And uh, and I I read this in a book, uh, Bearing the Name, by Carmen somebody, I can't remember, and that's where I kind of got some of this stuff from. But have you guys grew up in church, you know, you've always heard, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Right. What have you been taught that means? Don't say GD. Yeah. Right, or, or yeah. don't, you know, in anger, use God's name right. and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, this, this woman, you know, brought it into a whole new light for me. She was saying that when they went to Mount Sinai, you know, he said, you know, keep my statutes, you'll be my people. I'm calling you to be a nation of priests. So they were going to bear his name, you know. So she was basically making the, the point that um, to take the Lord's name in vain, is basically just don't be a hypocrite. Because if you're saying, hey, hey, I'm God's chosen people. Right. But with my mark, Wait, my mind, right. and my hand, I'm doing worldly things and not godly things, then I'm then a hypocrite. You're, you're taking I, his name in vain. Exactly. I've taken the name you're in saying, vain. You're, you're saying you're a Christian or a godly follower, but you're not. Yeah, your fruits say otherwise. Yeah. yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it did to me. You know, it said, so, you know, and what... And that's in Exodus 19.6 where it says he'll call you to be a nation of, of priests. It said, but then again, ask yourselves, well, what did the priests have on their heads? Exodus 28, verse 36 through 38, talks about a gold signet, a mark that should stay on his forehead that he may be accepted before the Lord. Okay? okay. So if you're taking the Lord's name... And you are going to be a nation of priests like he, he's called them to right. do be. You will have a signet or mark of gold on your forehead. And not, that makes you acceptable to the Lord because you are bearing his name. You're, you're taking right. his name. Okay. okay. On your forehead. Yep. Okay. It says, so it says we are called to be a nation of priests. And we are told here not to take the Lord's name in vain. 
you know, people misinterpret this all the time. This doesn't mean not to cuss with the Lord's name, which, of course, I mean, you don't want to do that. Right. Of course you're not. you're still yeah, but, taking it in vain. Yeah, but this means don't be a hypocrite. You're, you being, know? you're being a hypocrite yeah. in the same Yeah. Don't be a bad sentence, imager yeah. of God. Exactly. Don't claim to be his child and bear his name and misrep- misrepresent it. You know, to do that is to take the Lord's name in vain. You know, so what do priests, us that we're called to be, have on our heads a golden pure signet or mark so that we will be acceptable to the lord pretty cool huh so whether we realize it or not we're bearing the the mark of god right even though it's not a signet exactly it's a spiritual marking whatever yeah. yeah but that also makes you think i need to clean my world my my act up oh yeah if you look at it the way taking the Lord names in vain like you just described. Yeah. And what's uh, really cool when you break down the name, the name, right? In Hebrew is uh, Shem. So the name is Hashem. Stephen, I'm going to pass this to you. I want you to check this out. Read this excerpt, and this is from the great Michael Heiser. It breaks down the the name. (laughs) And this is the little arrow that goes to the next page. Biblical writers often... I love hearing him read. He just sounds so scholarly. He does sing. Michael Heiser sure does sound scholarly. We're talking about you, baby. Thanks, buddy. He just gets some hair. Hey, low ball, low ball. Uh, That's hitting below the belt, buddy. Sorry, sorry. That's taking my name in vain. (laughs) That's not cool. Sorry. All right. Biblical writers often refer to Yahweh, the God of Israel, as the name a usage that the contemporary conservative Jews practice today, referring to God's special divine name, Yahuwah, or Yahweh, without using it. Yahuwah, however, occurs in the Old Testament nearly 7,000 times, so biblical writers did not use Hashem to avoid using the divine name. Rather, it was a supplementary way to refer to Yahweh. In addition, these writers cast the name as an embodied person, identifying the phrase as an important part of the Godhead, thinking in ancient Israel. The New Testament carries on the the name theology of the Old Testament, applying it in subtle ways to Jesus, thereby making a strategy for New Testament writers to identify Jesus with Yahweh. Isaiah 30, 27 through 28 uses the name Hashem as a substitute for Yahweh and casts the name in terms of the personhood, behold, the name of Yahweh comes from afar, burning with his anger, and in his thick rising smoke, his lips are full of fury, and his tongue is like a devouring fire. His breath is like an overflowing stream that reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of destruction and to place the jaws of the peoples a bridle that leads astray. Similarly, Psalm 20 reads, May Yahweh answer to you in the day of trouble. May the name of God, the God of Jacob, protect you. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of Yahweh our God. The psalmist encourages the Israelites to trust in Yahweh, proclaiming he is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do. It goes on a little further, but the, that's pretty much the... You want me to keep going to the whole? Oh, I mean, that's fine. I mean, that was the, kind of the gist. But the gist. basically, you know, it says, you know, I think it's in Proverbs. It says uh, a good name is to be held higher than precious gold and jewels. 
You know, it ain't saying your name. It ain't being literal. The name yeah. is is the name's the, the person, your representation, right? Your character. Yeah, just I mean, like the old saying, you know, a man's only as good as his word. It's kind of the same application, I guess. Yeah, you'd be say. a good name bearer. Yeah, have a good exactly. reputation. So It'd all this good. stuff you hear about the name, the name, the name, yeah. it's the reputation, right, of the name. Yes. So if we're supposed to be good, godly people, we're representing God so we got to do it in a favorable manner yeah the whole you know the power in the name exactly you know is power in your actions your thinking the the representation the image of God that you are portraying I think there's a big part of that though when you look back throughout the Bible when it asks you know like um, they ask well was it Moses was talking I think it was to God and you say who should I say sent me and he says, I am sent you. I mean, it's not saying Yahweh sent you. It's not saying, oh, yeah. You know, no, I am, meaning just it's everybody yeah. knows. It's that, me. Yeah, that's it's that's, me. It's definitive. It's God. That's in the Bible where it talks about all the names he goes by. That's my favorite. The great I am. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's it. How do you describe I am? You, you can't. It's, everything it's everything and it's just oh i'm over here tearing oh uh, yeah i love it i got just a couple more i'll power through and then we'll get to the the mark of the beast and this is where these guys have really excelled in <laughs> they're going to take the steering wheel here but uh, ezekiel chapter 9 verse 4 through 6 it says and this is basically where you know god's talking to to this uh, Ezekiel here is showing him all the abominations that, you know, a woman is crying at the steps of the temple for Tammuz, you know, the sun god worship, and that people were turning their backs to the temple and bowing to the sun, you know. And that So this is just right after all that, you know. So it says, And the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. And to the others, he said, in my hearing, pass through the city after him and strike. Your eye shall not spare, and you shall not show no pity. Kill old men outright, young men, maidens, little children, and women. But do not touch the one whom is the mark. And it began at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders and who were before the house. So here we go. We, we see this mark again. So uh, my commentary uh, notes I got over here, uh, it says they put a mark on the foreheads. The mark was probably the Hebrew letter Tav, which in ancient script was shaped like an X or a plus sign. The Tav was the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And Jewish groups in the Second Temple period and late antiquity continued to use it as a mark of righteousness until it similarly with the Christian cross made it unpopular in Judaism because, you know, they don't believe the whole, you know, Jesus is Messiah yeah. thing. So they stopped using the Tav. The Tav, they said they believe that's the mark that was used. It looks like a cross. Yeah. Okay. So that's the mark that they were putting on everybody's head. The Tav is the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Well, in the book of Revelations, what does he say? He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, right? The beginning and end. The beginning and the end. But when you look at the symbolism, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the Aleph. 
It's the symbol for God. It's the it's the silent letter that starts everything. You know, he was the creator of all. He existed before everything. So, and then the last letter, you know, he says, I'm the Alpha, the Omega. Well, the Omega was the Tav. So he's the Alpha to the Omega. He is the Aleph, which is God, to the Tav, which is the cross. <laughs> he was saying, I am the that's God crazy. that's coming to the cross for your salvation. That's the symbolism just blows yeah. me away every time. And you know what the middle letter is? The middle letter is the Mem. So when, also by saying that, he says, you know, he's the Aleph to the Tav. Aleph, the first letter, is a symbol for God. Then you have Mem, right in the dead center, and then Tav. So when he's saying, I am the, the Alpha, the Omega, when you put those three letters together, you know what Hebrew word that makes? Truth. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's crazy. That's awesome. (laughs) We thank you for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Questions, comments, or future episode ideas, we'd love to hear from you at thedig423 at gmail.com. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to share, subscribe, and check out our Facebook group at the Dig Podcast. Remember, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. You gotta dig.